welcome to Disrupting Web3. Uh, my 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 co-host, but this time guest today is Cecilia Lopez. I said it right, right? Correct. Yeah. Good, <laughs> good, good. She, 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 she got me on it, made sure I said it right. Trust me, took me a few takes from the past, but we are we're locked <laughs> in. Anyway, it's a pleasure to have you on, Cecilia. How are you today? Thanks. I'm feeling good. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Excited about yeah, starting this series about disrupting Web3 with you. I am. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think it's uh, important that we cover these type of topics for sure. All right. So let's get down to it because I want people to know who you are, society, and what makes you tick. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about <laughs> your Web3 story, your origin story, your hero arc story about how you got into this uh, world that is Web Web3. Okay. So... I feel as if every good story lately starts off with when I was in lockdown. <laughs> so when I'm going to start off with that. So when I was in lockdown, I was basically isolating. And around that time, my younger sibling, who is 13 years old, but she's been diagnosed with global late development. Uh, she's nonverbal, autistic, and very much needs constant care. She had a massive healthcare at that, health scare at that time. And my way of coping with it, which is probably not very healthy, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to challenge myself to come up with a business idea that combines my unhealthy obsession with sneakers and me wanting to just create art. And I was scrolling through TikTok and there was a massive resin craze happening on there. And I thought, well, I haven't seen this on Instagram, so maybe I can bring this over to, to Instagram. And quickly just went through a couple of like Google searches to see how I can incorporate shoes in like physical art pieces that uses resin and very quickly came up with the idea of showcase art. And as soon as I got out of that isolation, my order from Amazon came, I went to the kitchen, got on like my knees and started just doing this crazy like sample pieces for this artwork that I had envisioned in my mind. And very quickly I turned it into a four-figure business uh, in less than six months. I think it was actually around in three months, it turned into a four-figure business. Wow. And yeah, it was super, it was amazing because it was the first time that I had tapped into my entrepreneurial journey where that demand for something just was there. I just, I really just got my target audience right. And how did you do that? Right? How, how did you get it right? Like, how did you, how did you get that target audience right in terms of... I think I just got lucky because around that time I was still doing my master's in international trade law and I was heavily connected with a basketball team. And it's almost inevitable that when you know the basketball team, you know, people who are also obsessed with sneakers. And so I had already had that following of people who were interested in shoes in general. So when I had posted these sample pieces that I made, people were just like, yo, these are crazy like, are you going to make more? And when I kept getting those questions and people were actually like wanting to buy the sample pieces that I had intended to just be free and just for me, I just created an Instagram page straight away. Uh, and I knew that there was potential for it to also be scalable. So I was very intentional about the way I took the pictures as well. I have no like photography skills at all. I just use iPhone and I actually use so if you see my Instagram page, it's literally just like a white background on those pieces of art. It's actually a onesie, like a fluffy onesie that was just like all white. And I would just like use that as a way as like to be as a basis for my artwork. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah, just got super lucky with timing, I think. And uh, I then started to see NFTs popping up on my timeline on Twitter and just an initial Google search. I just saw technology and then I saw art and I was like, this is amazing. This could be where I can take resin art to the next level. Because I was just like, resin has a bad rep for just being considered arts and crafts. But yes. the way I was utilizing it and the way that I was interpreting that type of artwork as a functional art piece that not only is it art decor, but you can actually just use it as an ashtray, as a coaster, as a charger, whatever. Uh, I realized I could probably take resin to the next level with NFTs. And then as we do, just went through this rabbit hole that just went further and further and further down so throughout august i spent that whole month barely sleeping just like researching as much as i can really understanding the technology behind it and the web3 yeah. principles that make this such a magical place for a lot of us yeah. especially for creators as well and by september i had minted my first nft that tethered the physical art piece to my yes. nft and literally I didn't think it was going to sell because I had put it up as like a seven day like auction thing. Yes. And on the seventh day, it just like sold. And I was like, I'm literally just 10x how much it, I would normally sell this physical art piece for. Wow. Just because of the NFT aspect to it. Yeah. And I was like, damn. I, 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 I know, world keep, changing, right? Keep doing this. <laughs> yeah. But the world, the world moves very fast and it changes very fast, right? So that instance at that moment, it was the boom, if you will, of the Web3 and FT craze. Uh, I guess we're in we're in winter right now because everybody's like, you know, uh, it's it's just a different environment right now. Uh, I, I read this book uh, about entrepreneurship, Guy Wachowski, I think that's his name. And he says, like, uh, there are two different modes when it comes to entrepreneurship. There is the microscope when everybody just looks at everything in detail. Everything has to be exactly right. You have to go exactly according to the plan. Nothing different against the status quo. Was very like the tight times, and then there are telescopes when you look and just see their big vision as an entrepreneur, how you want to change the world, how you want to have an impact. And he said, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, when when it's a telescope world, which it was a telescope world at that time, we're not talking about that long ago, like a year ago, you know, the the world is full of stars. <laughs> when it's a microscope world, with a microscopic world, everybody mm -hmm. just finds the microscopic flaws and everything. And I feel like we kind of moved to a balance to where we are now. What do you see as the future of Web3? Um, I mean, I have my thoughts. I believe this is temporary, but I want to get your thoughts about where that lies and what you think about the future of Web3. So I'm just going to look at it from one perspective for now, because I think Web3 has various different aspects that we can filter out what those aspects will look like as far as their own individual futures. Right. But for me, as just, from my understanding of Web3 and how useful it can be and how life-changing it can be, I believe that the future of Web3 will actually be seen in emerging markets. I think that mm. we are so privileged in the West in how we live our lives that we forget how privileged we are to just have basic technologies within our hands and how easily accessible they are for us. But I think about in the Philippines, the work that I've done with the, the Philippine Embassy for the Trade um, of Investment and uh, Trade Department, I, I see massive potentials in emerging markets just 
really being the place where this technology can be life-changing for people on, on the ground level? As in, is there a way that we can incorporate NFTs with farmers, for example, right? Like, is there a way that we can leverage blockchain technology to create better governance in general? Not even corporate governance, just the way that countries like the Philippines are governed on on that scale, right? And I've had these conversations with a couple of people in the cohort that I'm in now, and the same issues kind of exist throughout other emerging markets, not to generalize, obviously, because different countries have their own problems, but in Malawi, for example, they have uh, land and real estate issues where no one really knows who the land belongs to, right? Blockchain technology can help with that. When when you provide these decentralized grids, for example, that you can access on, on the blockchain um, in some way of capacity, I, I wouldn't know, I'm, I don't have any technical building abilities at all, but I know from the work that I've done with the real estate NFT marketplace that I helped co-found last year, that there is a massive way that we can actually make this space, particularly real estate, a lot more transparent Absolutely. and a lot more equitable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I mean, it's it's we're in this space right now when a lot of people don't understand this technology, of course, because it's a new emerging technology. And it doesn't help right. when you have, uh, uh, you know, things like FTX and all these folks that are abusing the amount of trust that was given to them. How do you navigate mm-hmm. in this environment when you have, uh, I'd say, yeah, the microscopes, people looking now and they're like, all right, they, they will try to find the flaw and everything based upon uh, the bad actors that obviously had a lot mm-hmm. of influence. Uh, how mm-hmm. do you navigate this environment when people are telling you like, well, you do all that crazy Web3 stuff. Aren't those just full of people that are just like FTX people? Because that's all they, people think FTX, people think uh, uh, blockchain, unfortunately, Web3, unless you're like us, true believers on the inside, that's what they hear. That's mm-hmm. what they hear from the media. That's all they, that's all they mm-hmm. consume. What is it, what is it that you do to make sure that they can understand the full narrative? So a lot of the work that I've done in this space has actually been to fill in that disconnect, that gap of lack of knowledge and lack of accurate knowledge about the space. And so right now, uh, at the beginning of the year, I published an ebook called NFTs for Newbies that provided uh, visual walkthroughs of what NFTs are, why they're important, their use cases in real life, uh, how to mint on to blockchains, I use Ethereum and Solana and how that might differ to when you would just buy it off of secondary, for example. And so I think to answer your first question, when it comes to how do we navigate that space, I think people like us have a massive, almost fiduciary duty to be the ones to tell people, look, it's more than what the media is is showing us. It's more than just people trying to get lucky gambling their money away and trying to see if they can 10x the next day right right and really showing them that this technology can actually help change people's lives and that depends on what we're building in the space uh and the second question is like what am i doing before you get to the second question don't forget it please i want to because i think you hit a really mic drop point if we want to help change the world for better, it's we need builders in the space that that are intentional and care about the things that you and I care about, that actually mm-hmm. care about equity, that actually mm-hmm. care about transparency. You know, mm-hmm. you can do both and make money. Like these two, these two things aren't mutually exclusive, 100%. right? 100%. But having builders that are a part of that is is really, really, really important as we're building the new building blocks mm-hmm. for how we're going to connect. This is not 
solely about trading assets. That's part of the technology, mm -hmm. but it's really about a better way to transact and connect the world without bar barriers in between. You know, we have an artist from right. Nigeria that can, that it makes a big difference to him. He goes on, he's able to, he has sold a few pieces. It's transformative yeah. for his life and the way we can transact without banking in the middle makes yeah. a big difference in his world. As you talk about emerging markets, which is where most of the opportunity is. Right. So I just wanted right. to say that. Yeah, it's a good segue to my second point because so the work that I'm doing right now with with Entrepreneur First, so Entrepreneur First is essentially a, an incubator program, but they incubate people before they have an idea for what startup they want to build. So right now we're currently exploring. Sorry, just give me a second. I'm just saying this one. They have like a time. Yeah, your light went out on us. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> we'll get posted this edit right here, you guys. We'll pick it back up. So um yeah, so, so what I'm currently exploring right now is actually surrounding the onboarding process. So I, I genuinely believe that if we don't get the onboarding process correct with Web3, there are so many opportunities that will be lost in the next bull run, number one. And two, that onboarding process is incredibly important when it comes to actually educating people about what else is there to Web3 besides NFTs, besides apes, besides DeFi protocols and all of these cryptocurrencies that's just going further and further down into the ground. So I think people building in this space, when it, whether that's a Web3 company that they started or whether that's a, on a consultancy basis, they need to really think about how they are welcoming people into this space and if they're doing it in a way that only educates them in regards to what they're building, or if it's educating them holistically, you know, because yes. I think if you're just here to show your projects and get people onboarded based on what you're building, it's very, number one, it's not a scalable business to have in the first place. But second, those people that you're onboarding, they're not going to stay. There is no. a massive visibility issue in Web3. And because there's a massive visibility issue, there's also a retention problem. And yeah. that's that's where I'm trying to come in and, and potentially I mean, I, fix that. I mean, I think that's right on point. It really is. It's it's I mean, our, our goal is we try to figure out how do we meet people where they are and make the experience engaging, uh, make it entertaining if you can, and then people are able to get educated, but definitely making sure you're mm -hmm. that customer support. In terms of actually mm -hmm. helping people, even if it doesn't help your product, is important. First of all, it will grow the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Second of all, it's actually a good business anyway to do that, right? But this mm -hmm. this this sector of uh, Web three right now is that like people like on OpenSea and a lot of these other places, it's just like they don't provide any type of walkthrough support. They say figure it out on your own, as if that is a good model for future yeah. development. I think it's a great opportunity for people yeah. like us. But that's what they do, and they, and it's and it, 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 what they don't know, and maybe they do and don't care, is that it turns off a lot of people because they just don't want to be involved and try to figure out all the steps instead of making it yeah. easy for them to get involved. Yeah, and get on there board. are too many, there are too many barriers, and exactly. when there are too many barriers, you can't. It's almost impossible. It's like okay, one barrier. Okay, we can we can get over that because you're willing, you're committed. Yep. Second one is like okay, this is getting a bit annoying, you know, and by the third. You've lost them. You're not, you're and, not. and it's a shame because they might be someone from like an investment banking background. They might be someone from a legal background. They might be someone who really understands how to navigate the political landscape of certain countries that 
not everyone has a niche understanding of. Like these people can really be valuable to this space as far as providing unique perspectives and unique insights, but we're losing them. And we don't know where on where we're losing them, but it literally is just if you make this is already a very complicated space. And if we make the learning process even more complicated, it's not gonna look good as far as mass adoption. All right, so I'm going to ask you one question, then we'll go to like a rapid, a rapid round here. Okay. What's your committee cool. of three in Web three? Like the three people that are going to be down in your team. Ooh. Tell me, tell me why too for each one. Your committee My of three committee for of Web three. three. What would you mean? Your committee of three for Web three. It could be the people that you want to advise you, people that you want there to build with you, the uh, the people that you even if they're not Web three, but you want to, they're, they're there for moral is supportive advice who are these people and why so number one on the list would be the sean ballard he's he was uh he's an ex-metaplex so he was a senior product manager for metaplex he is actually the first person who bought my nft and this guy builds like crazy he understands the ecosystem way more than i could i could ever just from a developer standpoint but also on a community level he's one of the few people actually who got me interested in investing on one of one artist in a space and not just the nft project collections that we see often because he really sees in the value of what this space could do for individual artists you know we don't often see how this space is really changing people's lives as in taking them from poverty to like owning houses and owning cars you know and he's one of the first people to actually get me to really understand the power in it. So I'll definitely have Day on my team. Uh, it's so important for you to go to the next one because we, and I'm saying collectively, we haven't lost it, but collectively people mm-hmm. have lost the meaning of how we got into the space. It was about empowering creators, about help, helping expand opportunities exactly. for them because creators exactly. already create so much value, but they didn't get the equity that they deserved, right? We just enjoy these things and we've got them mm-hmm. for free instead of rewarding the creatives mm-hmm. for what they brought us. And this is an opportunity to really uh, not only give back to them, but it also gives more to us. Like when the creator economy goes up, there's more opportunities, period. So I think people got mm-hmm. lost in the, oh, let's let's figure out how to flip a project instead of, well, how do we actually build a sustainable ecosystem that creates a better creative mm-hmm. economy? So I think that's right on point. Yeah, and he's definitely one of those people that understand that, you know. The second person would be Karima. I believe she's Karima Digital on Twitter. She is amazing. Like, she knows the space in, I guess, from like a marketing strategies perspective. And she was the first one to actually get me uh, a gig as a Web3 consultant for an A16Z-backed Web3 startup. Uh, working with her was such a pleasure that we're actually in talking stages about building potentially a newsletter that combines different ways to target a specific market. So we essentially want to be like the complex, highest novelty, hype beast of Web3 newsletters where its content is tailored for the culture. Um, Because I think there are a lot of a lot of contents out there that's not being targeted more specifically and not being tailored to communities that can really benefit from it. Agreed. There is a, there is a, I believe that potentially are a startup. I'm going to say that there's a company called 
Neon Money Club. I think you'd really like them actually. What were they called? And they're essentially Neon Money Club. Neon Money Club. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they make investments cool. Like okay, that sounds they, awesome. They, yeah, they they frame their language, you know, with with like the current trends right now, um, where they essentially make the the investment like lit is is like the term right. they use so it's it's very much the language is tailored towards like the the younger generation and people like what's, what's the name of the site again i gotta write this down now neon <laughs> money club neon money club i'm not gonna forget that yeah. that sounds good okay also, no that's a really cool stuff okay all right so rapid fire um, then, we're, then, then we'll continue our part two so okay all right what outsiders misunderstand, I want you just to finish these sentences and just finish off at the end with the, just finish it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, what outsiders misunderstand most about Web3 is? That it's not just pixel art or board apes. Yeah, yeah. all right. Uh, what insiders of Web3 get wrong the most? What insiders of Web three get wrong the most? Yes, as a collective, is that they're is that they're building for each other and not for people who can really benefit from it. Preach. Uh, that's to be a mic drop moment. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the best way to create impact in Web three is to focus on education. The future of disruption that will happen in Web three is. The future of disruption that will happen in Web3. Dude, this is a tough one. You can't rapid fire this question. All right, I'll give you a couple sentences. Let's go. (laughs) This is hard. Um, Supposed to be hard. It's application towards emerging markets. There you go. See, you did it. You did it. Cesar Lopez, pleasure getting, getting to know you. And uh, definitely, yes. we're going we're gonna to disrupt together. We will, 100%. Let's do it. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. All right, so I think I'd like to have you on. We'll just do another one after this. That'll be the best clip. We'll end that one. Okay. Um, before I get to that, I want I do want to tell you, I want to ask you one question that's not necessarily, I might ask it on the record. What do you consider your superpower, okay. though? What's your superpower? My ADHD. You have ADHD, too? Did you tell me that? You told me that? Yeah. Did you tell me? Yeah. I'm sorry, I have ADHD, yeah. so I forgot. But <laughs> <laughs> this is so on brand for us. <laughs> oh my god. We definitely gotta use that clip now because that's like a, I got you tell me that. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh my oh, god. Oh man, that was <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Sounds about right. Yeah. Because <laughs> I did. I'm like, oh shit, she did tell me. Okay. All right. Well, cool. <laughs> well, look. Well, look. We're talking about. Go ahead. What are you doing? That's cute. Um. Yeah. I I will say my superpower is my ADHD. I never thought it was. I used to. Okay. This is the first time I'm probably admitting this, but I used to genuinely cry about it. Because prior to me, I was late diagnosed. I've only been diagnosed, I think, last year. And um, it was a pivotal moment for me because I realized, okay, cool. So the way I've been dealing with things 
the way I'm perceived to not be very emotional and more logical. My mom says that I think too much like a man because I'm never emotional about stuff. I'm very logical about things. And have finally having that diagnosis allowed me to really accept that, okay, cool. It's not a problem with me. It's just, I think differently to most people. Yeah. And, and maybe you're really, just boring. Sorry. The other people that don't get ADHD in our circle of kidding. Yeah. it's really difficult for people to understand us though like it it, it very much is and it's weird because i find that adhd people are drawn to other adhd people which is why we're drawn to each other we did that's funny that's hilarious but but then it's like you have that and then just communication is terrible because ADHD people are known for being bad. Yeah, we are. Because we're like, why didn't you understand that? Yeah, we don't mean to be. Look, we said it. Like, why didn't you understand it? I kind of said it. You got, I mean, I have to tell you directly. Like, they're like, yeah. Oh, well, I thought you'd understand. Yeah. Or like, do you ever get when someone asks you a question and you don't get why they're asking that question? So you're like, can you ask that in like a different way? Yes. And then they're just like, what do you mean? I'm asking exactly how I want. And you're like, no, because you're not giving me any context to the question. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, we think that like, we do think it's differently. Terrible. And I, no, it's terrible and it's great, but people do think that we're insensitive sometimes when we're not, they think we're not paying attention mm-hmm. when we just can't. Like, we can, it's the weirdest ADHD. I think people get it misunderstood. They think, okay, so that means you can never focus. Not all the time. It sometimes means the opposite. It means we can, we yeah. so hyper-focus on things that we don't see right. this other shit that you don't. I literally, I literally hyper-focus on Web3 for a month. Yeah. Like, how? How do you do, a normal person would be like, no. Like, every day for a month, this was all I was doing. It was all about uh, learning anything and everything. Terrible. I mean, yeah, but, but then you got people, you know, everyone that you're close to, your loved one, your family, your mom, and they're like, what? But you're not like we're we're not normal, and that's kind of a good thing, right? Because it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I've told you, I think I've told you my story. This is probably how we talked about it, right? When my teachers, mm-hmm. you know, told me that I I'm basically dumb. No, they were just well, they were dumb for saying that. <laughs> they just didn't understand yeah. that thinking yeah. differently, not being great at taking written exams, doesn't mean you don't have abilities. It just means you think differently, literally. And that's been a benefit for yeah. I think that's why we can get this space so well, Saya. Yeah, I think you're right. I think especially when I have my mentors in the legal field, as well as legal people that I'm connecting with now, they sit down with me and they're like, you know, you're never going to practice law, right? And I know exactly what, what they mean by that, because the law is very much how well can you follow rules? How well can you apply this like black letter law that's existed for years and years? into this whatever issue people have and i'm just like yeah i don't i'm i'm the person that asks why this black letter law exists and why we can't change it exactly and why we can't circumvent it to to help other other people um or benefit other people actually but because with me i think i'm not sure if it was bill gates or steve jobs but one of them said that the best people to hire are lazy people because they'll always find a way to do that job better in the shortest amount of time or yep. in the quickest way possible. Yeah, that, 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 yes. And I, he, yes, he's talking about lazy people in terms of people that think very efficiently, not that don't do the work, but like you, like you, they're like, okay, right, right. why the fuck are we doing 10 steps when it can be done in one? <laughs> like it's what? like, exactly. Right. <laughs> like it's, I, it yes. literally 
gets me so bad. It's no one have a logical thinking because you've already thought of like the five steps required to do that thing. But then someone comes in and they're like, what if we do this? But then it's five more steps extra. And you're like, no, no, no. If there's more steps, it's wrong. No, I'm like, (laughs) if there's more steps, you're doing something wrong. I have another way of talking about this in Web Web three or anything, because the problem with Web three mm-hmm. too is that people uh, like to tell how smart they are, so they explain things in a way that nobody can fucking understand what they're saying, right? So it's like, yeah, right. And then I'm like, and yes. that tells me one of two things: you're either an asshole, or you really don't mm-hmm. understand things the way you say you do. Because if you do, mm-hmm. if you really understand something, mm-hmm. you could explain it in a way that anybody that's yeah. not in your space can at least relate to it. And if you're not willing yeah. to do that, you're being also lazy in your brain where you're not willing to figure out, oh, let me figure out yeah. how some, where someone else is versus where I'm at. And I think that's why that NFTs for Newbies ebook was so pivotal for me, because it took me two weeks to put that together. I had a help from a friend uh, who's been way more experienced and has spent a lot more time in his space than I have just to kind of validate and make sure that the information I'm putting on there is there's something in there for everyone. You know, it's not just for newbies that even if you've been trading in NFTs for years, you can still learn something new. And that was really important because I was able to break down what people would normally find on the internet in maybe 20 different pages or like three different YouTube videos that last 20 minutes long. Being able to consolidate so many information into like, an, uh, like just what well, I consolidated like five years of, web three cryptocurrency nfts experience between my friend and i into like less than 50 pages and they were all visual most of them are visual walkthroughs that's helpful and it's crazy because i think there was something as well um that i recently read of how important it actually is to cater for people like us yes because there's there's way more people who are neurodivergence as well Yes. That when you don't tailor your website or, okay, here it is. It says 26% of the U.S. population is living with some type of disability. That's over one in four people who could become frustrated and leave if they can't easily use your website or app. Accessibility is no longer an option and it's essential to good design. So wow. if you don't actually Another have people drop. like us, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's actually, um, it's like, an article i think but yeah if you don't cater to people like us you lose so many so many customers and you lose so many people that are the right people for you to target but because you haven't designed or facilitated your app or service or whatever it may be to have people like us going through the entire process more easily that you don't lose us at the first instance of like distraction or hard barriers that is so fascinating that is so fascinating you said like that i never thought about it like that with adhd you helped me answer why you see it as a superpower because it it is hard especially when the the traditional way we're taught in school is to you have to do these things Mm -hmm. one two three yeah you have to everything's presented inside the damn box i'm like why the hell is there and and of course add is like why do we have a box question like like exactly 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 like and they're like well no because there is you're like that doesn't make you sense to me why and then yeah so i actually researched i actually researched the issue of standardized testing in educational systems right and it's one of the biggest issues why at least for teachers here in the uk is one of the major reasons why 
morale for teachers is at an all-time low for 25 years like the first time in 25 years teachers don't want to teach yeah because a lot of them are feeling as if they're just here to breed students to pass or fail and that's it there's no way to tailor their teaching so that it can actually have individual students in their classes engrossed in learning yeah and so you'd find this interesting so i actually think the biggest solution maybe one of the maybe i'll say one of the best solutions that i think could tackle the issue of standardized testing in schools is ai so imagine imagine a way where you do a text prompt so pretty similar to dolly where you do a text prompt and then it generates that into like a 3d version of whatever the text prompt was Mm. so this takes us you understand this you it takes us from black and white letters to then a visual yes yes that's that's see that's fire that's fire you're you're, you we think along the same we're like twins or something we think along the same route right because it's like yeah yeah no never the same route yeah we have to create introduce creative thinking to students early on we've we that we had we've had this generation that's taught students that playing video games is bad doing all this stuff is bad doing it without intention probably is bad because it'll just take you through an endless loop but understanding mm-hmm. how the the creative economy is really just going to grow more right and if you understand yeah, how to teach people yeah. to think critically it is not yeah. not that standardized testing has a place doing things one two three four we have to sometimes do step one, two, three. It's necessary. It's a mm-hmm. it's a part, mm-hmm. but it's a very one dimensional way of thinking and learning that we have to expand mm-hmm. upon. Period. As uh, and this is this is why I think it's so important to introduce like this creative style thinking and and why Web three is such just such a phenomenal opportunity. And it's very hard to explain. Like I try to tell my dad, I love my dad. My dad is very much a one, two, three logical thinker. Like unless you can show him, yeah. and, and and again that serves him well, and that. Sorry, the side that train that he trained me it helps me when I go all over the place because I want to be, I always want to see things like from top vision. He helps me say, well, where do you start from one, two, three, which is necessary. But however, I found that people mm-hmm. that think that way, it's very hard for them to see the creative side. And then so learning yeah. to really, I think, appreciate both sides of this because sometimes I'm frustrated by those yeah. people too. But, but, really but that's, that's because that's what they've been used to. You know, that's, that's all they know. They don't know any other option. And I think educational institutions, especially the likes of Cambridge and Oxford have a tendency to really do that. They think that for you to have the, the merit of being in a school, a prestigious school like that, you have to learn in the same way that the other grades have come through. And it's just not the case. You can make a, a PhD fund and so I'm in this cohort and there's 120 of us and a lot of them are, are PhD people and they're so intelligent, so just a caliber in their own right, right? But they, they're like, yeah, PhD was like one of the worst experiences of my life. And I'm thinking, how is that? You're so smart. The work you've done is incredible. You, someone can run with that study and change the world if they, if they really wanted to. But your experience of you having to do that has put you off academia yeah. in such a way that you're just exhausted after i'm like this, this there has to be a better way and i do think web3 can facilitate with, with, with education um yeah and, anyway, uh, I einstein's one of my favorite then we'll get ready to wrap up here i think we're going to call this episode uh adhd web3 i think we're just going to call it that right <laughs> <laughs> it, it fits that but einstein i think einstein had 
yeah. I think Einstein had ADHD before we knew what it was. And this is why I say that. Right. Mm. So he learned to think differently. You listen to his quotes. He said, you won't you won't you won't resolve issues with the same level of thinking that created them. And and you think about how he came up with the theory of relativity. Here's how he did it. I'm going I'm to get real, real, real right to it. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he everybody else was rooted in the uh, in, in Newton's laws, which was the what, what everyone knew. So everyone was trying to look for a constant in front of that kind of formula. And then he right. just said over and over again, he, wait, once he kind of got stuck, he said, why does there have to be a constant? And that was the that was the that was how he solved it. And this is what I want yeah. everybody to take away. There doesn't have to be a constant because right. you don't understand Web3 doesn't mean it doesn't have value. Mm-hmm. Seek to understand it. We want to help you. This is why we started disrupting Web3 to help mm-hmm. empower you and Society mm-hmm. Lopez. It's an honor to work with you. Thank we look you forward so to building together. It's good to have you on. Mm-hmm.